0: Guys, if you have your Bibles, I'd like for you to turn to John chapter 1. John chapter 1, we're going to look at the last number of verses there, last 15, 16 verses. We're going to look at verses 35 through 51 uh, this morning. Now, we, we are going through the Gospel of John with the purpose of meeting Jesus. Now, I, I'm just going to be honest with you the the reality of where we are in the church today and I'm not just talking about our church I'm talking about the church in North America that there is a sense in which we we, I mentioned this to you before we just seem kind of lost and and people are doing in churches we're doing all different kinds of things trying to find the it and uh, so I just want to help you to understand why, why are we going through John? Why, why meet Jesus? Because, well, I think the reality is, is when you see what's happening, there, there's a great disconnect that's going on. What, what do you mean? Well, I'll give you a couple of points, okay? So here's the first one. When you think about what we're going to look at today, we're going to look at four disciples, the first four disciples that Jesus calls, that the Gospel of John tells us here. Why did a small group of people give up everything and change the world? So think about that. Maybe you haven't thought about that in a while. I I was really, when I was studying this passage out, part of my study was to go back and look at who these four individuals are. So you got Andrew, you got Simon Peter, you got Philip and Nathaniel. So as I was going back and I was breaking out my resources and going on the internet, I was looking at their histories and what happened with them. Here's four people who gave up everything to follow Jesus. And not just gave up everything, they gave up their lives and they gave up their homelands. What do you mean they gave up their homelands? They they were willing to go to different places, and they did. They went to India, they went up into Armenia, they went to Rome, from from Palestine, from, from Israel, from Judea. And, and why did they do that? What what is it that caused them to do that? And I'm going to tell you what it was. It was Jesus. The reality of Jesus, the reality of who he was, what he did, what he said, his death, burial, and resurrection, the fact that they saw him alive, that motivated them. Now, folks, it wasn't a worship service. It wasn't a set of doctrine. It was the interaction with the very real, very alive Jesus who they continued to interact with through the person of the Holy Spirit in their lives. And that's what was going on. That's what turned really the Western world upside down, the world upside down in those early years of the church. People realizing the reality of Jesus and him being a real to them. That, that's what we see there. was Why did this small group do it? It was Jesus. Now here's the disconnect. In contrast, believers today are not motivated in the same way. So, one of the things that I've been looking at and reading on my own, I'm, I've been reading a couple of books here, and, and it's coming out in other ways and articles that I'm reading, is there is a growing number of people in, in our nation that is becoming churchless. So, they at one time were a part of the church, but then they decided that they are done. They're not coming back. Maybe they got hurt. Uh, Maybe they saw some things. Maybe they felt the church was too politically involved. Whatever the reason, there's a large number of people that are continually leaving. In fact, uh, they say right now that that group of people is enough to inhabit whole countries around the world. This is a significant number of people. So for the first time, we have less people going to church in our nation than ever before. We're not the majority anymore. I don't care what some guy told you on the radio. The majority of people don't go to church, are not interested in church. They're churchless. They have no interaction whatsoever. And they're not antagonistic, so don't think they're militant going after you. They just don't care. Christianity and church means nothing to them. It doesn't do anything to them. That's why they left. So, okay, so do you see the disconnect? You see in the early years, people who were willing to give up everything, and now here we are today, and no one would ever think of doing that today, What's going on? What, what is it that, that we're missing? What we're missing is, to be very honest with you, what we're missing is, is the realization of Jesus in our lives. The presence of God in our midst, in our churches. And no amount of stuff and you see people, they're doing stuff today, they're changing their services, they're changing, you know, the, the atmosphere of the services, or how the room looks, or, or different things. No amount of things like that is going to change what's missing. It's all trying to fill in the vacuum of what's missing, and you can't, because what's missing, and I would say that's true in a lot of our lives, is what's missing is the very real presence of Jesus, One of the things I was reading this week was telling me that uh, one of the big objections to the churchless is is that they cannot understand why we believe that Jesus is the only way to the exclusion of everyone else and everything else that we believe. And I thought, yeah, that's true. I mean, if you saw it from their perspective, it doesn't make any sense. But actually, what I found is, is for if you talk to a lot of Christians, they're not even sure why they believe that. They've just been told to believe that. But if you met him, and he was interacting in your life, then you would understand why he's the only way. Do you understand? Then you would understand. So let's see today. What we're going to see today is these four men... And their interaction, and and I'm going to divide this, what we're going to read today, between two sections. We're going to talk about the seekers. There's a reason why that they were going after him. And then we're going to talk about Jesus and how he interacts with them. And folks, he still interacts that same way today with you and I. And then I'm going to give you some closing thoughts. So let's look at this together. So if you have your Bibles, it'll be up on the screen. Let's start with verse 35. Okay, so again, we're with John the Baptist. Of course, remember last week we talked about Jesus is there. This is after the baptism. John says, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin. All right, so look at verse 35. Again, the next day, John stood with two of his disciples. Looking at Jesus as he walked, he said, behold, the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him speak. And they followed Jesus. Then Jesus turned, seeing them following, and said to them, What do you seek? They said to him, Rabbi, which is to say, when translated, teacher, Where are you staying? And he said to them, Come and see. They came and saw where he was staying and remained with him that day. Now, it was about the tenth hour. One of the two who heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his own brother, Simon, and said to him, We have found the Messiah, which is translated the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus, and now when Jesus looked at him, he said, You are Simon, son of Jonah. You shall be called Cephas which is translated a stone. The following day, Jesus wanted to go to Galilee, and he found Philip and said to him, Follow me. Now Philip was from Bethesda, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathaniel, and said to him, We have found him of whom Moses in the law, and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And Nathanael said to him, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, Come and see. Jesus said to Nathanael, coming towards him, Jesus saw Nathanael coming towards him and said of him, Behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom there is no deceit. Nathanael said to him, How do you know me? Jesus answered and said to him, Before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. And Nathanael answered and said to him, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. And Jesus answered and said to him, Because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree. Do you believe? You will see greater things than this. And he said to him, Most assuredly, I say to you hereafter, you shall see heaven open. And the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. All right, so let's take a look at this. How do you get there from where we are right now? Because for most of us, it's just a service. Let's just be honest. Christianity is just a service. It's a set of beliefs that we believe. Yes, we pray, but we don't have any expectations. So let's talk about this. We're going to see a couple of things. Let's, let's, first of all, we're going to look at the seekers. We're going to see four different guys, see where they're at and what we can learn from them, and then we're going to see how Jesus is. Okay? And hopefully that'll stir our hearts to something else. Okay? So let's talk about the seekers. Here's the first thing I want you to see. When you look at these four guys, when you look at Andrew, who was following John for a moment, he was a disciple of John the Baptist, when you look at his brother, Peter, and you look at Philip and Nathaniel; they all had one thing in common. Here's what they were. They were searching for the fulfillment of God's promise. What do you mean they were searching for the fulfillment? They were looking for the anointed one. They were looking for the Messiah. Why were they looking for the Messiah? Well, if you think about their situation in which they lived in, they were living under a Roman oppression, times were not good. And they wanted change. And they believed very strongly that if the Messiah came, if the anointed one came, that he would change everything. He would throw the Romans out. All of their hopes and their dreams would be fulfilled. Israel would become the nation that it's supposed to be. And they were looking and meditating and searching. That's why Andrew, with somebody else, was with John the Baptist. Why? Because John the Baptist was the one, the forerunner, the one who would proclaim the Messiah coming. So they're there with him, and of course, as soon as John speaks and says, Behold the Lamb of God, what do they do? They leave him and go follow Jesus. Why? Because they're searching. They're searching for God to do work in their midst. How different than today? We get so used to being a Christian. We don't have any anticipation of anything anymore. We even get shocked if God does show up. You ever been shocked by him answering a prayer? I mean, we pray, we tell God our needs... But there's no expectation there if we're honest with ourselves of him actually answering them because we've seen so many not answered. But then when he does, we're kind of like, whoa, what happened? Why did that happen? We've quit looking. We've quit seeking. They were searching for the fulfillment of God's promises. Here's the other thing. They acted on God's leading. What do you mean, God's leading? Well, okay, so here's here's Andrew with somebody else. It doesn't tell you the somebody else. It's not Peter. There they are. They're with John the Baptist. John the Baptist sees Jesus and he says, Behold the Lamb of God. That's the leading of God there through the prophet. Guess what they do? They acted on that. What do they do then? Well, they start following Jesus around. So Jesus says, hey, what are you guys doing? What are you looking for? They acted on the leading. Now, I'm going to tell you something. Here's what I want you to see. I want you to know this. And please grasp it. If you are here and you say that you're saved... And that you gave your life to Jesus whenever it was. For me, it was in April of 1985. For some of you, whatever year it was, some of you maybe can't even remember what year it is anymore. And I understand that now, too. It's getting to where I can't remember yesterday, okay? But listen to me. I'm telling you that you didn't just embrace a set of beliefs You embraced the living God who, are you listening to me, wants to have an intimate relationship with you. And he is leading and guiding your life Ultimately, not so that you can achieve your purposes and what you want out of life. I'll be honest with you, that's not what God's interested in. God's not interested in what you want to achieve in life. God's interested in you becoming what he wants you to be and having a relationship with you. And so he is doing things throughout the week and days that is drawing you to him. I remember very clearly when I pastored in my first church, this would be about... 25 years ago, I remember one day waking up with the realization God, you are calling me to spend. I was so busy, but the realization was God, you are calling me to spend time with you. And He does. He wants that with you. And so they acted on the leading. They acted when they sensed that there was something there. They went after it. Here's the third thing. They saw for themselves and believed. So, okay, Andrew, with this other disciple of John, they're following Jesus, and Jesus turns around and says, look, and I think it's, it's interesting, the question. It's a probing question. What are you looking for? And, and, and that's, that's kind of like, I think God is asking us the same kind of question. What are you looking for in life? What's motivating you? What are you looking for? Because again, remember I told you they were looking for the promise to be fulfilled. And so guess what? They speak up and say, where are you staying? Why would they ask that? Well, they want to spend some time with him. So, guess what? They go. He says, "Come, you'll see." And and they spent time that whole day with him. Then guess what? Andrew's so excited he goes and what tells his brother, "You gotta. We found him. Come and see." Guess what? Peter comes. Jesus says, "Simon." I'm going to call you Cephas now, which is also Peter, stone. Guess what? The next day, Philip. Philip goes and what? Meets you. Boom. Goes and gets Nathaniel. They saw for themselves and believed. It's believing in him. That's what saves you, Folks. What saves you is believing in Jesus, not praying a prayer, not living a moral lifestyle. It's believing in Him. And they sought after Him. Here's the other thing I want you to see now. We're going to see Jesus and how he inter- interacts with him. Here's, here's the first thing I've already mentioned it. When you look at verse verse 38, Of course, he's got these two guys following him. He questions them concerning what they are seeking. That's the reality. And I guess that's what he's asking you and I today. What are you looking for in life? Man, I need to be asked that question. Because, I mean, I'll just talk about myself. Sometimes I can get so distracted by what I want and what I want to achieve that I miss the obvious don't we do that we miss the obvious and I'm not just talking about the obvious of family and relationships around us I'm talking about the ultimate relationship that is with the living God because let's be honest we 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 prioritize things, and we like to I like to put God at the top actually God's at the bottom of the list if he's even on the list but praise God I love Jesus What are you searching? Why why did you come here this morning? Why did you come here? Why why are you listening to this? Why 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 are you here? What are you wanting? That that answers a lot. That's what he wants to know. He questions them concerning what are they seeking. Here's the other thing. He caused them to act by coming, seeing, and following. You know, I shared with you last week, so April 1985, Tuesday night, third week of April, whatever that date is. I go home, I read the Gospel of John. Give my life to Jesus. Said, I want to follow him. And the journey started. And quietly, his spirit was telling me, You got to give up this, give up that. And some of those things I gave up immediately. And he guided me, guided me to a church, guided me in relationships and friendships guided me and where I went to school. He's been guiding me ever since. Sometimes I don't like where he's guiding me, but he's guiding me. And that can happen, folks. He can take you to places you don't want to be. But you keep following. And, he, and he's saying to us, he says, come and see, like he said to Andrew. You want to know where I'm at? Come and see. He says to Peter, follow me. He says to Philip, follow me. Come and see, interact. See, this is what I'm trying to say to you. If Christianity is boring to you, then you have not understood. You know, I for, you know I remember one time I was at Goodman's. I forget who it was now. It's been so many years, and I said to somebody, "Oh man, we miss seeing you at church." Well, I here, here's I just haven't been fed lately. Just not getting anything out of the message. Well, you know what? That's very possible. Okay? That's extremely possible. But I'm going to say this to you. If that's what it's about, then you've missed it. If Christianity is just coming every week to hear George, wow, there's a lot better people. But listen. That's not what Christianity is. Christianity is Jesus who interacts in your life. Who when you're in trouble, when you pray, gives you a peace that surpasses all understanding. Where did that come from? God, I was just talking to you about this crisis. And man, I've been up all night and worried and, and, and I'm praying and you hear me you hear me or 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 you're you're going through a thing and and you're like man I wish if that could just be taken care of and the next day boom it gets taken care of and and you realize god you heard my thought i didn't even give you an actual prayer i just kind of told you what the desire of my i just kind of uttered the desire of my heart and and you took care of it more than, better than if i did it myself isn't that great Sometimes when God takes care of it instead of you, because if you took care of it, I know this is true with George. Sometimes when I take care of it, I make a bigger mess of it. Come and see and follow. That's what Jesus is saying here. Come and see and follow. And then here's the reality. Here's here's what I want you to see. He promises, look at what he says here in verse 50 to 51. He says this to Nathanael, but I think he's saying it to you and I as well. Look at what he says. Because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree, do you believe? You will see greater things than this. Most assuredly, I say to you hereafter, you shall see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. He promises that you will see greater things as the heavens open up. You know, I'll be honest with you. Can I be honest with you? I think we get so confused. Because when we think of blessing... Can I be honest with you? We get confused because we think of blessing in terms of because maybe we're influenced suddenly by the guys on TV that that means a bigger, fatter wallet or health. Actually, can I be honest with you? That might actually be a curse. Did you understand what I'm saying? I mean, I just was reading recently about some guy who won a lottery and he ended up being killed. His life was misery after he won the lottery, and so he ended up dead. And In fact, what they're showing is statistically most of those who win those lotteries and win the big money, their lives become ruined. They lose their relationships. They lose everything. And they some of them will utter, I wish I'd never got that ticket. So we think that's what blessing is, but that's not what the blessing of God is. The blessing of God, can I tell you what the blessing of God is? him the presence of God in your life with you right now did you understand what I'm saying being there when you're going through it giving you the peace giving you the strength giving you the wisdom answering prayers seeing the hand of God in your life knowing that you are not alone and and, and the reality is is you will see greater things he says he reiterated that point to the disciples throughout that when I'm gone, you'll see greater things, why the Spirit of God will be with you. You say, okay, George, what do we do with this? Well, I got a question. Are you tired? Of boring Christianity. You gotta, gotta ask yourself that question. Are, are you tired of boring Christianity? Well, it's Sunday morning. Oh, yeah, I, well, I guess we better go today. I wonder what George is gonna share. Well, I like the music the band's been doing. I hope they do that song. Maybe we'll see so and so. I'm looking forward to the picnic. that's it we don't think about it again until Sunday listen there's something so much more how do I know that he's calling you to seek him listen to what the writer of Hebrews says in chapter 11 verse 6 you'll see it up on your screen he says this, but without faith it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is the rewarder of those who diligently seek him. You catch that last part? Look at that last part on the screen there. He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. I'm going to tell, tell you right now that if you are tired You want something more. Then start pursuing him. Start going to him and saying to him, God, I need you to be real in my life. And I'm telling you that if you start pursuing him, he will reward you. What does that mean? Will he give you a big wallet? No, it, that's not what I'm talking about. He rewards you by the reality of him in your life. And that motivates you to do whatever for him. And then we become like those in the first century Churches. Not like we are right now. And the disconnect between the two disappears. Don't you want that for your life? Don't you want that for our church? Let's meet him together. Let me pray for you.